what a joy it is that we can still get together, you know, and share testimony, worship God, and share fellowship, share God's word, you know, in these alternative ways, even though we're not able to get together physically. And I'm delighted that uh, I have the joyful privilege to share God's word with you today. And uh, I'd like to invite you to pray with me as we get into God's word. Lord, we honor you and thank you that we have this joyful privilege to uh, engage with your word. And we thank you that you've kept and sustained us in the face of this pandemic. And we praise you, Lord, for your peace that has been ours, our guide and our help. Uh, we want to thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit that is present with us even now. And we open and submit to the ministry of your spirit. As we engage your word, we ask for the blessing of your word to be upon us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, for those of you that have been following, uh, you know, this is the third in a series that have been started off uh, called Faith for Unusual Times. Pastor Howard started us off uh, with quite an extensive introduction to Peter the Man. And uh, if you followed, I'm sure you would have seen how Peter, an ordinary man, fisherman, uh, but because of the grace of God that encountered him, he became someone that was used of God to even pen down these words that we read today. And Pastor John took us through First Peter chapter 7, I think quite an overview of the book of Peter, but focusing on chapter 1. And, you know, he, sh he shared quite deep truths that I will encourage you to go back and watch or listen if for some reason you haven't been able to do that. Bible scholars tell us that uh, Peter is addressed to a church first in persecution. And though we do not directly fall under the persecuted church right now in our situation, uh, I think suffering is our reality. Suffering is a global reality right now. Suffering has become the common denominator that has brought us into that space that the persecuted church has been in for a long time. Um, in some way, in God's mercy, we can share in that common experience of suffering. And it's, it's not an easy thing. It's not to make light of anyone's suffering, but it's to say that that's where we are. And because of that, we can joyfully draw encouragement from the book of Peter that is meant to address the church that was experiencing suffering. So I'll invite you to pay attention to God's word in the midst of your various suffering uh, so that God's word will build our faith in this unusual times. Um, I will be focusing today in chapter 2 of First Peter. And it will be chapter 2 from verse 4 to 10. There's a lot in the book of Peter and we can only bite a small chunk of it today. Uh, so let's look at chapter 2 from verse 4 to 10. I'll invite you to open your Bible um, so that we can read that together. Scripture says, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For scripture says, See, I lay, in, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. 
Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone, and a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that make them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Peter seems to land his thought in verse 9 and 10. He says, you are chosen people. You are royal priesthood. You are holy nation. You are God's possession. So that you may declare the praises of this great God. Peter wants the church to be clear about her identity so that her action and reaction will not be at odds with who she is called to be in the face of suffering. Peter seems to be saying to us very quickly that faith for unusual times must be rooted in our identity in Christ. That who we are should be the root and the foundation of our faith as we face suffering. And we see that as we follow through with Peter, um, especially from verse 4 right through to 10. So let's push back a little bit and begin to journey down from verse 4. Uh, looking at verse 4, Peter says in verse 4 that as you come to him, the living stone. And as you read that further in verse 6, said the precious cornerstone. Now, builders tell us that whatever building is not aligned to the cornerstone is bound to be out of line. Whether it's a physical building or a spiritual building, this truth applies. And COVID-19 seems to remind us of that in a very rude way. You know, things that we've built over many years, all of a sudden just, just falling out of line. Whether it's finances, whether it's career, whatever it is that we've built that is really not centered on Christ. We just wake up and discover it's gone. And Peter said to the suffering church and the church that was going ahead into suffering and persecution and said, please, would you remember that you've got to be clear in your minds that the cornerstone on which every building must hang and stay straight is Christ. Peter is saying to the church that the only thing that remains secure is that eternal life that is available in coming to Christ. That's the only thing that's secure. Any other thing can just fail overnight. And Peter says that in verse 4. He says, you're coming to the cornerstone. The Christ that Peter is calling us to is the foundation. He is the rock on which 
every building that is built on can remain clearly straight. The second point that I like to point you to is in verse 5. In verse 5, Peter says to us, You also, like living stones, are being built. What is it that I like you to take there? I like you to take this particular idea here that I see in Peter that when we come to the living stone, he makes us alive. Because he is the living stone, coming to him makes us alive. Peter says in verse 5 that you also, like living stones, are being built. Coming to this living stone makes us alive, makes us become a building that is being built. I remember it's Ravi Zacharias that says that Jesus didn't make good people better or he didn't come to make people good but he came to make dead people alive that's what happens when we come to Christ who is the cornerstone who himself is alive who is the living Christ he makes us alive we become alive and not only that we become a living building and that's radical for Peter to say because Peter being a Jew knew about the temple and Peter is saying, when you come to Christ the living stone, you become God's new temple. Wow. Peter said this, you no, know, before, before COVID-19, before the churches were locked down, before people could, you know, people couldn't come together. And Peter says, you need to be aware that you are this new temple and not the physical temple. And that doesn't mean that we don't need physical building. But the physical building is not the identity of the church. The identity of the church is rooted in Christ and all that are in Christ. And so Peter says in verse 5 that we become a spiritual building. A temple of the Holy Spirit. That's who we are. Our identity is this new building that's mysterious because it also carries in this, this, the presence of God. The Spirit of God dwells in this temple. And that's beautiful because that temple becomes a mobile move of the presence of God. It becomes that which takes the presence of God around. It's so mysterious and yet it is so true. That when we come to a realization of this identity that Peter talks about here, we come to Christ, we become alive, we become temples of the Spirit, we become those through whom the Spirit can express His being in a place. And Peter says also in verse 5 that we become a holy priesthood offering sacrifices. Instead of the priests that offer the sacrifices in the temple, Peter says, well, you all are those new priests now. You are called to go into God's presence as the holy priests and offer up sacrifices of praise, offer up sacrifices of prayer. Peter says, when you come to this living stone, he, don't, he doesn't only make you alive, but he also builds you and he makes you able to access God's presence and stand before God as a priest, 
that intercedes on behalf of people, that takes the needs of the people before God and comes out to serve the people. Peter says that you become the holy priesthood, carrying out the duties of a priest before the Lord and before humanity. The next point that I like to bring out to you is in verse 6, uh, but a collection of verse 6 and 8 um, all together. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will not be put to shame. Now unto you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone, a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. I find this verse is very, very sobering. That there are people out there that are not like you because you have come to this cornerstone. You have accepted this cornerstone. You have, you have accepted the gift of Eternal life that this cornerstone gives. He said, Peter says that there are people out there that rejected the cornerstone. They have rejected this precious cornerstone. And verse 8 says, their destiny is sealed. There is a destiny that is awaiting those that have rejected. Uh, they, they've refused to align their lives to the cornerstone. They've built their lives on everything except Christ. Peter, Peter says that their destiny is sealed. It's not a pleasant ending for them. And I don't know what that, what that, you know, what feeling that evokes in you. But for me, it creates a sense of urgency that we need to go out to tell people and say, are you centering your life on the cornerstone? Have you accepted the cornerstone? Have you, have you? surrendered your life to him. That's how easy it is to do evangelism. That's how easy it is to be a missionary that you're telling people, come to the cornerstone and ask for his mercy because everyone that is not centering his or her lives on the cornerstone has his life out of line and has a destiny that is scary to say the least at the end. One more thing that I'd like you to see before we try to bring this to a close, between verse 9 and 10, and like I said earlier on, that Peter seems to land his thought in verse 9 and 10. Peter says, but you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's possession. Peter says to this young church that's going into suffering, that may be suffering the crisis of identity. Who are we? Where is God in all of this? Peter said to them, hang on. Realize that by coming to Christ, he has made you alive. He has made you living temples of the Holy Spirit. And he has made you to be a chosen people. A holy priesthood. A holy nation. You are God's possession. Peter says to them, you belong to God. You belong to God. Some of you may know that a few years ago, uh, I lost my mom to cancer. 
And one of the things that was a huge encouragement for me was that b before she passed on and God gave me privilege to spend time with her, she was very clear in her mind. She said to me, you know, I belong to the Lord. Whether I live or I die, I belong to the Lord. And she died. She died with a smile. Knowing her identity as the person that is God's property. And that made the pain and eventual physical death from cancer to mean nothing to her. Friends, Peter says to us that we belong to God. We belong to God's kingdom. We belong to God's family. What a privilege it is to know that. And when we face suffering, what a comfort it is to know that we're not our own. We're not alone. We belong to the almighty God. And as I bring this to a close, I like to point out a few things. In closing, just to point a few things, three things in closing. Number one, in closing, that faith for unusual times must be rooted in our identity as God's people. Faith for unusual times must be rooted in our identity as God's people who belong to the Lord. And center their lives on Christ the cornerstone. That we know that we belong to God. And we center our lives on Christ the cornerstone. That's vital for the kind of faith that will go through suffering. And still remain strong and, and glorify and honor God. Secondly, faith for unusual times must show itself. By being living stones, drawing people to the cornerstone, being temples of the Holy Spirit, serving, interceding as holy priesthood. All of this, I know it's a lot, but all of that we see Peter saying to us that if our faith is going to be rooted in Christ and be strong in the face of suffering, it must be the kind of faith that shows itself as a living faith, living uh, temple that is drawing people to the cornerstone, interceding as holy priesthood and being temples of the Holy Spirit. People that the Holy Spirit is able to minister through in amazing ways. When all of that happens, our suffering becomes an opportunity for God to be glorified. That people will see through our lives, the Holy Spirit at work, whether given the gift of joy, the gift of peace, the gift of strength, or the gift of healing, whichever way that the Spirit chooses to minister, that the Spirit ministers through us in the face of suffering, brings glory to God. Friends, I like us to close with a word of prayer. And... I know, I know that people are suffering. I know it, I know it. But in the face of it, that we are reminded that we are God's own. And we belong to him. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we do not make light of the sufferings of your church at this time. We, we pray for your mercy. 
We pray for your mercy that those that are experiencing various forms of suffering. Uh, Lord, we pray like you prayed for Peter that our faith will not fail. That our faith will be rooted in you in the face of suffering. We pray for a deep conviction of our identity that we are your property. Whether in pain, whether in suffering or in joy, whatever it is that we belong to you. Lord, we pray for that deep conviction to take root in our hearts. We pray for the ability to live out our identity as the new people of God in the face of COVID-19. People that are willing to intercede, to pray and to serve and to be temples of the Holy Spirit. We pray for that ability upon our lives today. We thank you and honor you that you're able to do all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Then there's a Zoom room number, I'm sure also, that you can log into. Uh, if you need ministry of any kind, uh, the pastoral team, uh, elders, you know, leadership in this church is constantly praying for the church community and have created space for people that want ministry to log into that Zoom room so that you can receive ministry and you can receive prayer. Uh, may the Lord strengthen us and encourage us and bless us with the gift of his joy in the face of suffering. God bless you. Bye-bye.